Okay, another day at the Fisticut shop. Who do we have next? Danny Acosta. Hey, Danny, how's it going? It's going great, man. Really good to be here. Danny is a very good friend of mine. He is a comedian, and he's an actual legit MMA journalist. And I say legit because it seems there was a time when anyone could be uh, an MMA journalist. But Danny has been there, done that. Uh, he's he's written for a number of publications. And from what you were just telling me, you were on Fox Sports 1 recently. You made your debut. Uh, on FoxSports.com. FoxSports.com. Yeah. And uh, I'll appreciate you calling me a, a comedian, man, because it's been a while since <laughs> I've gone by that. But, uh, yeah, you know, I just started doing so much uh, with the journalism and MMA that comedy kind of fell by the wayside and still something I want to do. But uh, the journalism, I just had foxsports.com and did a story before UFC 170 with Ronda Rousey and uh, Gene LaBelle, a martial arts legend. And then uh, I've been contributing to Maxim. So that's what I've been up to in terms of MMA. See, you're legit. You've actually got writing skills and you're not just some asshole with a microphone. Which, <laughs> I'm talking about me. I'm talking about me during, during my <laughs> MMA journalism days. But before we get to that, let's talk about uh, your hair and what you got going on here. You told me you like a number, what is it, a number what? Uh, number one or a zero, just shaved head kind of style. I always rock that. I've been doing that for about seven years. But uh, Okay, let me tell you what I'm going to do for you. Because I'm looking at the shape of your head, and I'm gonna, and, I, and I see how you, the, the direction your hair is going. I think a number one is going to be good, but I want to taper your sideburns in and the back of your head. So it's not just going to be an even number one all over. It's going to be kind of a little faded down into your sideburns and your nape area. It's going to look more clean. Okay, I'm just telling you right now. Otherwise, it's, it's going to be more of a, what's it, that full metal jacket look. And I don't want you to look, I don't want to send you out here looking like full metal jacket, private pile. Yeah, you're the pro, man. If you're going to make me not look like Gomer Pile, then I, I appreciate that. Okay, so let me put this uh, cape on you and let's get to it. What's this article on Fox Sports 1? Yeah, it was uh, Gene LaBelle. People don't know necessarily. He was a Hollywood stuntman. He taught Bruce Lee judo throws and, and chokeholds. And he's like the old guy that you see when Ronda Rousey fights in her corner. And it's basically like if Cain Velasquez had Bruce Lee as his uh, mentor. You know, that's kind of the same relationship that Ronda Rousey has. And it just so happens that Ronda Rousey is, you know, arguably the biggest star in the UFC. So. I really wanted to get that story told, really wanted to get it across, and uh, just so happens that it was on Fox Sports, which was my uh, first time contributing there, and you know, I've contributed to USA Today Sports, ESPN.com, uh, you know, pretty much anybody in MMA. And by, the, by the way, the UFC 170 just happened. Mm -hmm. Did you see the salaries that were released? Uh, I didn't see it yet, no. Fill me in. Uh, I think uh, DC got the most, followed by Damian Maya. And I think Ronda Rousey just got a, a little over a hundred grand. I th that seems a little off, doesn't it? Uh, no, you know I could see that being the case because Daniel Cormier has the Strike Force contract. You know he's still on that money, and uh, that's a little different. You know, but, and I'm but sure Damian Maya makes more than Ronda Rousey. That seems a little odd. Oh no? uh, well, Damian Maya has been around for a long time, so I think it's, it's partly that. But I also think that Ronda Rousey makes a disclosed pay that's far lower than she's actually taking. Do in. you think? Ronda Rousey should make more than Damian Maya? Yes. I, I totally believe that Ronda Rousey should be getting paid more than Damian Maya just because of uh, what she brings to the promotion. With that said, Ronda Rousey's only been in the UFC for a year. 
Damian Maya has been in the UFC for, you know, seven years or so. So I definitely think that Damian Maya, whatever he's earning, is fine. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure Ronda Rousey is taking in well over $100,000. How long have you known Ronda Rousey? Uh, I started covering her when she came into the sport, but uh, personally, it's only been recently um, in the last year with the, her transitioning over the UFC. I just I started covering the sport through Strikeforce, so you know Ronda was always on my radar. I always knew about her, even from her amateur days. But uh, it just so happens that I I didn't get to the shows that she was at. I know she fought in San Diego once. That was probably the closest she came to to fighting in my area. How many, t- how many times have you, how many conversations have you had with, with Ronda Rousey? Is, is she the type of person who maybe, say, knows you by name? Uh, no, like we just had that introduction, that kind of name, face-to-face introduction, Ronda Rousey and I recently. But it's probably one of those face things, you know. I, I know that at UFC 157 when she, what was it, one man, I don't even know when it was anymore. Uh, I believe it was UFC 157 when she debuted. In uh, last February, and in Anaheim, I asked her questions at that press conference. So, as long as she's been in the UFC, she's been seeing my face. So for the last year or so, she seems so approachable. It almost seems like any single guy might think, aside from her being the UFC champion, but just her personality. I, I, I would think like any guy could think, well, I could maybe just try to try to ask her out. Yeah, she's she's, she's got that vibe. She's definitely charismatic, you know. That's the attraction that she brings in terms of how she draws a crowd. So, yeah, as a single guy, you would think that that translates to that realm as well where the common man might feel like uh, if he saw Ronda Rousey in a bar, he could go talk to her and, you know, she'll be approachable and nice. And if he's lucky or talented or charming enough, he might be able to, you know, take things elsewhere as well. So, yeah, Ronda's... It's crazy, man. I forget that she's 27. You know, she's 26, 27, that range. So we're about the same age, and she's just a phenom. You know, she's only been in MMA for three years, and to only be in the sport for that little time and take it over the way she has, it's it's really unparalleled. Well, she's an Olympian, which for me, for me, once I hear that you're an Olympian, it's just you're a next-level athlete. I mean, there's there's a small percentage of people that can be champions in MMA, but even smaller to be a champion in MMA and the Olympics, that's to me that's 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 unheard of. No, it really is remarkable to be both an Olympian and a UFC champion, and it's because she was an Olympian that she became a UFC champion so fast. What's really impressive is that it sets the bar higher. It, sets a, a greater precedent in terms of the level of athlete that has to be involved in the sport, which is great because not only does it mean that you're watching better talent, you're watching you know higher level competitors, but you're also watching people who are getting paid you know half a million to a million dollars per fight, which in MMA terms is a lot of money, you know, and, and hopefully gets it uh, more where these people are surefire million dollar per fight draws. That's the kind of thing that Ronda Rousey is introducing into MMA. Did you think the UFC 170 main event was stopped too early? I did think that the UFC 170 main event was stopped early. I would like to see McMahon get a chance to fight out and fight more. It looked like she was popping up when the fight was stopped. However, with that said, I think that the liver shot was just, it was on point. 
It's what Ronda said she was going to do. She wanted to get that body shot KO. And if you crumble over because you got hit with a liver shot, it's a kill shot. It's a body kill. So, uh, the other hand, I, I don't feel like the stoppage was a, a bad stoppage. I just preferred the stoppage to, to not happen so sudden. I would like to see it go on a little more. Um, when you look at the two fights that Herb Dean refed that night, it stand out of my mind. Obviously, the main event that everybody's talking about, but also Mike Pyle and T.J. Wahlberger. T.J. Wahlberger was basically in a pool of his own blood by the time that Herb Dean stopped it. So to stop it on a liver shot, you know, yes, it's a very devastating maneuver, but I think it could have went on a little well, longer. Wahlberger's dead now, right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Wahlberger's not dead, but he's only about 26 years old, and he's been knocked out like seven times. So it, what what do you think is going through Herb Dean's mind right now? I mean, he's, he was criticized for the Uriah fight, the Faber Burrell fight, then for the Wahlberger fight, and then again for the Rousey fight. I'm thinking it's going to be a situation where this guy's going to be at the supermarket trying to make a decision to buy what, what he's going to have for dinner, and he's going to have a meltdown. And they're going to have to cart him out in a straitjacket or something. Uh, I could see that happening. I could see Herb Dean, you know, having to make one too many split second decisions and, and just short circuiting. But. The reality is he's a professional, and in any profession, you're going to have a, an off day. And with the, both the Uriah fight and this fight, I feel like it's just an off day for Herb Dean. It's just well, the stakes are magnified. You know, it's a thankless job being a ref. And, you know, his track record is really in the uh, top percentile of MMA refs. Uh, to me, the three best refs ever, ever, Josh Rosenthal, Herb Dean, and Big John McCarthy, in any varying order, those guys are the best. Where is... Um What's the name of that big muscle dude? I forget his name. Oh, Dan Mergliata. Dan Mer where does he rank on your list? Dan Mergliata is uh, not even in the in the top five, I would say. But... I would say you or I would do a better job. <laughs> then, then that's me saying that. that not, not Danny, that's me. Roberto the Barber. But do you think maybe they should take back the, 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 world's, uh, the World MMA Best Referee Award for Herb Dean? Should, should, the, should the Academy make an executive decision and retract his award. No, because that's probably one of the few awards that the MMA awards got right. You know, that like Herb Dean, you could give him the best referee award, and I, I'm okay with that. And I think a lot of the other awards that they do are, are just off-base, like confusing, and a lot of them seem just like backroom deals. I have no idea what that award show is doing, honestly. Daniel, are you upset you weren't nominated for best MMA journalist? No, I... You know, it's John Morgan and Eric Hawani every year, as far as I'm concerned. It's just a, a two-horse race, so I don't give a shit about being uh, in that at all. Has, any, has anyone besides Ariel Hawani ever won? Uh, I think John Morgan's won like three years in a row or something. Oh, okay. I honestly could not tell you. I've never seen the World MMA Awards. I read the results online uh, on the UG app because that's where I love to get all my stuff. It's the UG app. So, I mean, to me... It's just a, like any other award show. It's just a bunch of glad handing, you know. Sure, sure, sure. Well, I mean, they 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 they, they hired a comedian, Adam Hunter, and I know they want to make it more Oscar style, you know. Yeah, Adam Hunter, MMA roasted man. He does his thing. He's just, he's he's out there really making the most of the MMA space. Okay, so Danny, I how did we meet, Danny? Man, you were like a SF comedy legend when I was coming up, you know? Uh, like, I don't know about that. If, if there was a, an aspiring comedian who happened to be brown in, like, was it 2003 or something, and you got on the scene, Rob F. was the guy to go to, man. That's how we know each other. I remember seeing your sets 
at like 50 Mason in San Francisco in the Tenderloin and just thinking he had it together, man, thinking that that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> I, w- I wanted to get those 10 minutes. You know, I wanted to be uh, on that circuit, man. Well, Danny, you said it right. Thinking I had it together. Think again. <laughs> Think again. <laughs> you had this joke about uh, Abercrombie, about how ridiculous it was, that it was all like, you know, ripped apart and torn jeans that you had to fold very neatly, like oh, you got right, a job right. there. Like, I remember that being the joke that sold me on you, but you just had a great cadence, man. You were able to really make the crowd hang on your words with the the way you delivered, and it was good, man. You know, Chris Tinkle, I, I didn't meet till years later, but uh, there's a lot of great comedy that, that came out of the time you were there. I, I, yeah, I remember seeing you, too. Are you still performing? Uh, you know, it's been about a year. Like I said, I've been really caught up with MMA stuff. But I've been writing a lot. I've uh, been doing screenplays. And uh, I'm definitely going to be hitting some stand-up soon. Uh, it's just been a transition. I've moved out to Southern California from the Bay Area, which uh, you're familiar with. And, yeah, man, it's just been... Uh, I want to give comedy a, a good go. You know, I don't want to do it half fast, So that's why I haven't been performing regularly. But I, I've been on it, man. It's on my mind all the time. I'm, so much ridiculous stuff in the world. How could you not be doing it, you know? You're you're living in Long Beach these days. I'm in Long Beach these days. It's cool, man. I like it. It's, uh, I think, about as much as I could enjoy Southern California. There's great stuff out here. But I'm Bay Area through and through. And Long Beach is probably one of my favorite places here. Long Beach, San Diego, Huntington Beach like all those spots. I don't get out to uh, downtown L.A. and in, in your area much. Living in Long Beach. You're living the dream if you're a Snoop Dogg song from 1993. I know, man. There's nothing more satisfying than being like, I'm cracking open a 40 because I live in Long Beach. You know, <laughs> drinking some malt liquor. I had some Cobra. Man, I swear, within like a quarter of that 40, I felt like I had a headache. It was like drinking nickels, man. <laughs> I couldn't believe how raw that was. There's only a couple of times that I blacked out from drinking, and one of those times was from malt liquor. Some strong, uh, what was it? Uh, I think it was uh, St. Ides. It was, no, it was King Cobra. King Cobra. King Cobra, man. That's where it's at. See, I, I used to drink 40s of Mickey's. That was that was my shit when I was, like, just turned 21 or whatever. But, nah, man, I, I gained some weight since moving out here to Southern California, which is kind of counterintuitive to how you're supposed to do it so i've been back in the gym just trying to stay healthy i haven't been boozing too much what happened to to mickey's they were spot they sponsored the ufc for a while yeah they had like the mickey's had the bj penn can and the forrest griffin can and i think they had like a rich franklin can do you think it was a situation where the ufc said listen you guys you guys are trash (laughs) we're legitimate now we have we've got bud light do you understand yeah. Beat I, it. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. <laughs> yeah, the UFC had, like, Gordon Biersch in the early days. Oh, that's right. I remember. Yeah, they had Miller Lite when uh, Matt Hughes lost to BJ Penn. So they were always holding out for that big beer money sponsorship. I mean, you know. <laughs> holding it, out for that big beer money. No, that's in a fight sport. Are you kidding me? I mean, how many Mexican boxers have you seen laid out across a Budweiser logo, you know? <laughs> That's the way it goes, man. Uh, fight sports are all about ad revenue. You know what you could bring to the table in terms of uh, the beer, broadcast. Beer money and wait, beer beer sponsors and Condom Depot. Condom, Condom Depot. Nobody could forget Condom Depot. That's the people will look back at that and go, man, what a special time in MMA when dudes wear condom advertisements on their ass, you know, or like. Uh, local strip clubs you know that that's where it's at that, that's the kind of stuff that i have nostalgia for 
Or uh, I think it was Tito that wore the Spanky's Triple X. Yeah, it was Tito Ortiz who wore the uh, Spanky's Triple X. And that's the thing, man. People uh, go to the AVNs or the MMA awards, MMA whatever awards. It's going to be the same lineup of porn stars and fighters, you know, whether you're at the porn convention award show or the MMA convention award show. All right, Denny, let's talk Bellator. What's going on with Bellator these what, days? What, um, that's what I'm saying to you. How how bad do you think the the move from uh, Gilbert Melendez hurt them? The the the, the, the signing obviously of, of Gilbert Melendez with the UFC. He's staying for a while. It looked like he was going to be headed jumping ship. Yeah, Gilbert Melendez staying in the UFC is a, a huge loss to Bellator in the sense that they had their name attached to him for a second. It looked like. He was going to transition there and fight Eddie Alvarez and Michael Chandler. But with that said, Bellator never had him. You know, the UFC had the right to match. It went down. The UFC kept Gilbert Melendez, which I think is a great move. He, you know, he's getting the title fight against Anthony Pettis. With that said, I would still love to see Gilbert Melendez fight Eddie Alvarez and Michael Chandler. I don't know how that will ever happen, but crazy things have happened. There was a time when Gilbert Melendez was not considered someone uh, who would be fighting for the UFC title just because he was elsewhere. So... I think Bellator's got a great thing going with Michael Chandler and Eddie Alvarez, and I, I truly feel like their third fight will be the thing that solidifies Bellator as a legitimate MMA promotion. Not to say they don't have legitimate fighters or aren't legitimate already, but I think it takes a defining trilogy for any promotion to uh, really come across and really build something in, in terms of a fan base. And you see it in Strike Force with Melendez and Thompson. You see it in Pride with... Vanderlei and Sakuraba or Fedor and Norguera and uh, the WEC actually wasn't around long enough to have a trilogy but they had some amazing fights. Danny what is it going to take for Bellator to get some serious recognition because as, as it is you know I'm a huge fight fan. I'm a big fight fan but I would rather watch uh, a, a, a fight at a pool on World Star Hip Hop than a Bellator card. I would rather watch two homeless guys on some on, on World Star Hip Hop than 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 a Bellator card. The the problem that Bellator faces in my mind is that it's difficult to say, hey, this is a huge fight, and then do it on a Indian casino reservation and then televise it and say that's a huge fight. I think they need to get the live arena experience up to par with uh, what Strikeforce did at the HP Pavilion and the WC did at the, you know, now Sleep Train Arena in Sacramento. I think if they could pull that off for their major fights, for their King Mo, Rampage, uh, Eddie Alvarez, Michael Chandler, Daniel Strauss, Pat Curran fights, if they could take it to that level, just in those instances, I think that's more important to their brand and how they're perceived than pay being on pay-per-view, honestly. I don't think that pay-per-view is, is necessary for Bellator, and it could be something that, that hurts their company. So I'm not sure that they need to focus on anything other than building talent, which they've done a pretty good job of, uh, signing talent aggressively, which you know we got a brush up with Gilbert Melendez, and really just trying to get enough stardom to fill an arena, whether that arena is in Texas or in California or in Nevada, they've just got to make sure that they have a go-to arena where if you put on a Bellator card with a certain guy or, you know, a certain few guys, then there's going to be a, a packed house of, you know, seven to 10,000 people. 
WMAC Masters. Do you remember that garbage television show? No. WMAC Masters. It used no. to air on Saturday mornings, and they would. It was actors, but each one had a special discipline: kung fu, karate, judo, some things like that. But they would stage these fights where it would be. It was almost like a live version of Mortal Kombat. Oh wow! No, I don't remember. That sounds awesome. It wasn't, but I would rather watch that <laughs> than whoever is fighting next on Bellator. Yeah, well, the problem with Bellator is because they run that season format, right? So it's every week you have a Bellator card. It's hard to tell me when uh, Eddie Alvarez and Joe Warren and the guys that I really want to see are fighting versus guys I've never heard of. Uh, that you know, there's really not a, an interest to to know about them. You know, the tournament. Aside, I mean, until you're talking about the semifinals of the finals, it, it really is. I, I think Bellator honestly does a odd job with their tournaments because I feel like they discover great talent, like all these Russian kids that are bringing up, and you know they've done great with that uh, scouting. But I feel like they miss the boat on having like really good veterans, really good up and comers. I feel like their tournaments, and it's because they they have to be this way because it's you know three fights in three months. I feel like their tournaments are always half full. It's like a, a bracket of one caliber fighter and then a bracket of another caliber fighter. Did you hear about the Access MMA event that they bring into TV? The Russian tag team. The thing? Russian tag yeah, team. Yeah, the Access is going to have Russian tag teams. But it's also supposed to be like an obstacle course. At the same time as an like MMA fight, uh, a street fight. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that, man. Have, have you ever seen tag team MMA? I've seen tag team MMA. I saw it once on YouTube. I forget which organization tried it. It was sub on the ground. It's you can only do submission, and I I don't want to come say this the wrong way, but it was one guy and another guy had his back, right? But then another guy was attacking his leg, so it's just two on one. It looked like gay pornography. That did look like nothing. There's anything wrong with gay pornography. Hey, you want to do gay pornography? That's fine. I watch it sometimes, but it looked like gay. Por it looked just really off. It didn't. It didn't look right. Yeah, I saw that. It was like in a ring, and I think it was called ZST. Uh, it was a Japanese promotion, but they had tag team MMA. I didn't watch enough of it like uh, you did to feel like it was gay porn. I turned it off pretty quickly. <laughs> Like gay porn, I turned it off pretty quickly, yeah. MMA's a trip, man. MMA's a trip because it's basically, like, low-grade boxing in some respect, slash, you know, the fun, terrible things about pro wrestling, but at its best, there's nothing like it. MMA is a, a completely different mars monster. It's a martial art in itself. These athletes are, are amazing. They're tougher than nails, and uh, I think they should be getting paid. They should be huge, huge stars. I, I think it's really got a long way to go still. It really does. Even as big as it is, and we've seen the boom period, and, and now people feel like it's in a plateau, which I agree with in some respect. There's still so much more. I mean, hell, Elite XC were the people who brought female MMA onto you know the whole map here in, in America, really. It was, they were the ones who had Gina Carano first. How creepy was, what's his name? Gary, Gary, uh... Gary Shaw. Oh, man. Oh, man. Any any chance, any opportunity to touch Gina Carano? Gary Shaw might have entirely promoted MMA just to be near Gina Carano because she's a multi fighter. <laughs> he couldn't convince her to box, but he could convince her to do MMA. So, yeah, Gary Shaw, little creepy, silver fox, big, fat Italian guy in a tracksuit. But, yeah, you look at the trajectory of things, man, like... 
Elite XC, they they promoted Nick Diaz first, you know, as, as one of their guys, and Jake Shields, and, you know, all that carried over to Strike Force, and so many... Here's the deal about the UFC. This is how I feel about it. They're in a really critical time right now because Bellator is completely... Into, I don't see Bellator getting absorbed in the UFC. Okay. Not immediately. Any, anyway, I, I see Bellator doing all right. They've been around since 2008. Bellator has been around for going on six years now, so that's quite a while. Strike Force only lasted six years overall, and you know they they crashed and burned by year six, where they were already a lame duck promotion. Bellator, I think, is like I said, just getting started, so there could be a lot for Bellator. But my point is, Pride. WEC and Strike Force over the last six years during the UFC's boom period and MMA's boom period, they floated so many stars, so many pay-per-views, so many cards for the UFC because the UFC, you know, they outlasted them, they bought them, whatever. But man, look at the the title fights and the champions and the world-class talent and the stars that have come from WEC, uh, UFC, or sorry, Strike Force and Pride. All that has a lot to do with the UFC's title pictures. What's next on um, your itinerary, Danny? Where are you flying to? What are you covering next? Uh, it's a good question. I got uh, a few things I'm working on that I can't really talk about next, but uh, I just started a podcast called Majority Draw Radio. That's on MMAweekly.com, which is really fun. Doing that with Ryan McKinnell of, of MMA Weekly. And we've been talking about doing a show for a very long time. And the time was finally right, so we, we got that out. So pretty much the most consistent I've, I've been in a, in a while in terms of you could hear me once a week without fail. I never got into that podcast or radio space before because this is the opportunity I was waiting for. I'm on Sirius every week, every Tuesday, Sirius XM 92. And that's at 1.30 Pacific Standard Time. 4.30 Eastern for the Acosta KO. I go on the Serious Fight Club with uh, RJ Clifford, a good friend of mine, colleague, and uh, roommate. And we do our thing. We talk about MMA. So those are the, the two things that I'm you know, really on right now and in addition to contributing to Maxim and you know, hopefully some more stuff with Fox Sports. But travel, I'm going back to the Bay Area actually for a pro wrestling show March 30th. I'm pretty pumped about that. Uh, there's a good independent promotion out there called Premier. Oh, that's right. That's right. You're a pro wrestling fan. Yeah. As am I. Yeah. How could you... Know? WWE Network, man. You know? That's where it's at right now. That's You know, I signed up for UFC Fight Pass, but I kind of think I should have signed up for the WWE Network. I think you're right. I think that... I, I see a lot more value in the WWE Network right now than I, than I do in Fight Pass. Not to say that I don't want access to all these fights, but... I really want to hear the reviews for Fight Pass before I jump in full bore because WWE Network, I know I want it. The way they lay that out, I'm 100% sure. You know, the ECW libraries, the WCW, the original programming. I feel like the UFC rushed it and really didn't have everything they needed to make the same splash WWE Network did. Okay, okay. I'm going to ask you something. Name the, your, your, who you think is the best wrestler of all time. Best pro wrestler of all time is Bret Hart. Bret Hart. Bret Hart. Bret Hart, Macho Man Randy Savage, and Ricky Steamboat. To me, are the, are the three best men to ever step in the squared circle. Shawn I, Michaels is not on, on your list? Shawn Michaels is... You can't say that he's the number one guy ever and be wrong. He's Mr. WrestleMania. 
the showstopper, you know, everything. Sean, Sean had a career that was twice as long as Bret Hart because Bret Hart had a, a concussion and then eventually a stroke as a result that, you know, sidelined him. And he didn't have the benefit of being in WWE either, Bret Hart. You know, he had to leave to WCW for the famous Montreal screw job. And then uh, things went south from there. But yeah, Shawn Michaels, uh, Sting. I would say those are the three that I just named, plus Shawn Michaels and Sting, are my five favorite of all time. Three words for you, Danny. Leaping Lanny Poffer. <laughs> right there. That's yeah, the man. Absolutely the genius. Yeah, actually, you know, it, I always forget, but The Undertaker, man, he is the best big man ever, no doubt in my opinion. And just the the career he's had, and man, he's just as good as Sean or Brett. It's just he's 6'10". Cool, man. Yeah, see, this is a hard look to go with, man, the bald head with the beard. You know, I'm not... I'm not bald yet, but uh, I just shaved my head. I'd do the, you know, the one or whatever you're doing. So it's it's a hard look to go with. So I appreciate you hooking it up. You usually cut your own hair, Danny? Yeah, man. I've been cutting. Man, this is the first time I've been in a barber's chair in God knows how long. I uh, think I got like a haircut last at prom or something in high school. You know, like I have ridiculously like curly, coiled up. Mexican nappy hair, like just really ridiculous. So, oh, speaking of Mexican, Chapo Guzman, Chapo you, Guzman, you hear about that? Yeah, man, I follow all that stuff. The whole cartel situation, Mexican American relations that's my favorite uh point of politics, and it's really crazy because I don't, I don't think it's gonna do anything. I know it sounds crazy in terms of the way people perceive that, but I think it's just gonna create more instability, and I think that. He's just a figurehead, man. Chapo Guzman is this, like, folk hero, like, cartel myth in some respects. But for me, he's just, like, a puppet of American politics. Because the, the drug war is completely instigated by both sides of the border. And both of those sides that are instigating the drug war are corrupt. And they have different desires than, you know, keeping people off drugs or stopping the violence. It's it's a completely monetary and political thing. Well, I think the real question that everyone wants to know, Danny, is who is going to play Chapo Guzman in the Hollywood adaptation? I would say Rob F. Martinez or Rob, <laughs> Rob, F., Rob F. Villalobos. Yeah, That's right. my vote, man. I think he'd kill it. Hey, I am 5'6". Yeah. I am 5'6". <laughs> Well, yeah. five, six and a half. I want to make that very clear. Five, six and a half. That half is very important. If you just work on the mustache, I think you could do it. I, for the life of me, I can't grow a mustache. Uh, see, that's... When they caught him, man, he had that ridiculous mountain mustache. You know, he looks exactly like my neighbor, my front neighbor. That's oh, a, I'm sure. That's a just a manly Mexican mustache. I just love that you live in Freddy Cougar's neighborhood, bro. That's <laughs> mad respect. Rolling up in here, trying not to get my dreams taken from me, you know? Well, you're more likely to get your stereo taken from here. Yes, is, especially is why, in a Honda Civic. Which is why I told you to park in my driveway. <laughs> yeah, in a creepy, narrow alleyway, man. It's just Los Angeles living here at the uh, Robert Villalobos pad. Cyborg, you're looking at that poster on my wall, right? Uh -huh. From Corano versus Cyborg, which, duh... Duh, you all knew who was going to win that fight. I have not, I think uh, Karana was a favorite in that fight. 
She was not a, no way she was a favorite. No, I, she I'm, was an underdog. I'm she, pretty sure she was a favorite. She was the the public's favorite, but I definitely think on the odds makers, Cyborg was a favorite over Gina Carano. What are the chances we see her in the UFC? I'm talking about Cyborg. I think the chances that you'll see Cyborg in the UFC are pretty good. Just because there's not a lot of huge fights for Ronda Rossi out there where Cyborg could be a really, really big one. Cyborg has the look. You know, she's got the resume. She's just a bad, bad girl. You don't want to mess with her. And that's what Ronda Rossi brings to the table. But just uh, in terms of being an athlete, in terms of being an Olympian, I think Cyborg just has that raw MMA aggression that people really gravitate toward and, and look for. Do you think she has a chance? To beat, to dethrone Ronda Rousey. Yeah, because I think she's the only one who could actually hurt Ronda standing. I don't, like Alexis Davis, right? She's pretty well positioned to fight Ronda Rousey. I don't think she could hurt Ronda standing. I don't think she will. Um, man, I think Jessica I won that fight against Alexis Davis. Okay. I think Jessica I should be potentially next for Ronda Rousey. So, you know, uh, to me, the best options for Ronda Rousey are outside the UFC. That's Holly Holm, who is a you know championship boxer, and she trains at Greg Jackson's, and Cyborg. So I think Cyborg and Holly Holm are the only girls I could see like KOing, sleeping, putting Ronda Rousey on her ass, knocking her down, you know, making her not conscious anymore. That's that's how I see doing it. So within the UFC's ranks, I think it's far more slim pickets. I think that. If Kat Zingano could get healthy and get over everything she's got going on in her life, a lot of uh, horrible things have happened to her in the last year. If she could get past that, I mean, she's undefeated. She's a really well-rounded girl, and she's big. She's a big, big 135. So her and I think Jessica I have the two best shots at Ronda Rousey. But there's a huge gap between Ronda Rousey and everybody else, so I think that's why Cyborg will eventually come over. Danny, I, I like your analysis of all of this. How soon before we see you as a, as a talking head on one of these pre-fight, post-fight uh, shows that's, that's about UFC or Bellator even? Maybe, maybe soon, man. I think it'll probably come up soon. I've done talking head or interview stuff. I mean, it's kind of weird to think about like a million people have seen my face on YouTube because of... Like I did an interview with The Undertaker. It was uh, after UFC 121. I got a half a million hits on it. And apparently it's... One of, like, two interviews ever that The Undertaker did somewhat out of character, like, kind of breaking kayfabe. Right. So that was a really awesome part of my career that I was stoked about. But the talking head stuff is, like, I'll do it. It's just not, like, my priority. I did a Once I Was a Champion, which is a documentary about the life of Evan Tanner, the UFC's first deceased champion. And it's a really great story. It's not just about fighting, and you don't have to be a fight fan to watch it. It's a really engaging portrait of a... A man who was an alcoholic and lived a great adventurous lifestyle and uh, you know also had a lot of tragedies my, my friend Jared Roxburgh he directed it it's on uh, Amazon and iTunes and Google Play so you could check that out it's where, pretty... can, where can people find you Danny uh, at Acosta is legend on Twitter ACOSTA is legend and then uh, majoritydrawradio.com that's the podcast you could download that on iTunes like it rate it subscribe uh, it goes on MMAweekly.com, Maxim.com, Maxim Magazine, I'm contributing there, SureDog.com, contributing there, uh, FoxSports.com maybe again. So yeah, just check it out on uh, Costa's Legend on Twitter and on Instagram. That's where I'll update all my stuff and uh, see where I'm at next.
Danny, it's been a pleasure having you here. Your hair looks great. Your hairstyle, some may say it's like Ariel Helwani's, but he's just got, you can tell the man does it himself. All right, that's a straight up bathroom job. Your hair, your hair has been touched by a professional. You look sharp now, Danny. Now that I'm in the fisticuts chair, man, I don't think I could ever go back to cutting my own hair. That, that's for sure. Hey, um, you're my, welcome anytime. Very grateful and uh, very impressed with your setup, man. Your your place is like straight out of my imagination. It's just like MMA and pro wrestling, and I'm I'm honored to be a, a, what, the third guest on on fisticuts. Fourth, fourth guest. Fourth guest on fisticuts, yes, man. Sir. Yes, a sir. top ten. See, this, this is the rub that I need. I don't need to be a talking hand. I need to be in your chair. <laughs> All right, Danny. Thanks a lot for coming by. Sure. Thank you. Thank you.